Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. If you're paying attention, you've already got the sermon outline. We're going to talk today about every church reaching every nation, no matter the size, no matter the resources, no matter the location, taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth, no matter what the language is, no matter what the people are, no matter the tribe, that we can be a part of that. David Livingston, one of the great missionaries to Africa, said this. He said, God had only one son, and he made that son a missionary. I love that. What's it going to take for us as a church to be a part of that great commission of every church reaching every nation? Several things that were already on the video we're going to go through today and look at some scripture to back that up. What's it going to take? First of all, I want us to look at Matthew chapter 28, the great commission in verse 16. The 11 disciples traveled, traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped and some doubted. Then Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. We spend a lot of time on the Great Commission, and we talk about that that mandate, that imperative to go make disciples, and we focus on that. But today I want to focus on the every nation part of it, all right? What's it going to take for us to reach every nation? First of all, we need to pray passionately. Pray passionately. If you have your Bible, look at Luke chapter 10 with me. Pray passionately. I thought that there's, we're going to talk more about prayer in a moment, but there are two places in Scripture that I believe are important for us as a church. We talk about how do we pray for the Great Commission. The first one is in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. As Jesus is sending out the 70, the Bible says this, After this, the Lord appointed 70 others, and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he told them, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few, or the laborers are few, the, the servants to share the, the gospel are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. The first thing we need to do if we're going to pray passionately is ask God to send out workers. The Bible says that. God says, you ask me, the Lord of the harvest, by the way, he's responsible, isn't he? of bringing about the harvest. All we do is we plant and we water and we pray and God's Holy Spirit comes and he brings about the harvest. God says, for me to bring the harvest about you, the people of God need to pray that people would be raised up to do that. I listened to the testimony this last week, a couple of weeks ago of J.D. Greer. He's a pastor of Summit Church in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. 
And he shared how their, their congregation is a, is a mega church, but it's made up mostly college students. There are colleges all around that are universities all around his church, and most of those folks have come to his church. And he says, we are a church that is dirt poor as a congregation, but we have lots of missionaries out of our church. What he challenges those college students to do is to, to go. Their church prays when those college students come, that those college students, as they graduate, they would pray about being used by God to, to leave their place and go serve somewhere to help plant a church somewhere before they get into their career, to use their giftedness, to use their, their calling, to use their, their abilities that they learn in a, in a university to go and use that to plant a church somewhere. He, he says to his church, we are praying that God would raise you up and send you out. He says, we are ordinary people who've answered the call. I love that. He says, we're ordinary people who've answered the call to leverage our lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're to pray that God would do that. My prayer is that God would send more people out. Coastal Oaks has sent many out over the years, and my prayer is that he would continue to do that. Our prayer is God passionately raise up more workers to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. But secondly, second thing in scripture that I believe is important to pray as we think about missions is to ask God to give boldness to those he sends. We need to ask God to raise up people to go and then God give boldness to those he sends. Look with me at Ephesians chapter six. Turn in your Bible or on your smartphone, whichever's quickest for you. Ephesians chapter six, verse 18. Listen to this prayer. Paul says, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for the saints. Look at verse 19. Pray also for me. This is the, the Apostle Paul. This is the man who endured beatings and shipwreck and, and stoning and all kinds of other opposition. He said, pray for me. Not that I would be safe. Not that I would be protected. That's not the prayer we need to be praying. He says, pray for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For, I am, for this, I am an ambassador in chains. He was in prison saying this, but that I may be bold enough in him to speak as I should. Here's Paul's prayer as a missionary. Acts chapter 13 talks about that. We'll look at that in a moment, of, of the first missionary journey, of them being sent out, the call to leave the church and go make disciples of all nations. And Paul's prayer was, give me boldness as I go, that I should speak as I should. One of the prayers we need to be praying for our missionaries and we're talking about international missions this, week, this month, the month of December, is that God would give them boldness. Sometimes people will ask, how do we pray for you? And, and our, our, our prayer from our culture is God keep the missionaries safe. That's not what Paul asked us to pray. That's not what some of our missionaries have asked us to pray. Some of the folks we've sent out, they've said, Pastor, tell the people to pray that we would have boldness, not that we would be safe. I think about Peter and John in Acts chapter 4. Let's look at that passage also. Acts chapter four. As Peter and John were um, preaching the gospel and they'd been threatened by the religious leaders not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. Look down at verse 29. After being harassed and opposed, they were released. And now, Lord, consider their threats. The threats of the religious people. Consider their threats and grant that your slaves, that's how he referred to himself, a slave of the gospel, that your slaves may speak your message with complete boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing, signs and wonders to be performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak God's message with boldness. 
I love that story. As you go through the book of Acts, which was the birth of the church and the, 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 the launching of the church into the rest of the world, out of Jerusalem and Judea, to the ends of the earth, they were constantly being used by God and, be, and saying, God, give us boldness to preach and proclaim the message. I want us to pray this month for our missionaries. And those are the, the two main prayers. God, raise people up. Secondly, give them boldness. But also, I put together a handout it's just a, an edited version of what our International Mission Board president put together. 16 ways of how to pray for missionaries. Let me just run through some of these. Pray that they be confident in the word of God, that they be filled with the spirit, that they have victory in spiritual warfare, that they have success in their gospel witness, that they have favor with unbelievers, that the gospel would be made clear through them, that they would be joyful in the midst of suffering, that God would open hearts of the people around them that God would give them perseverance, that God would use them to make disciples and multiply churches, and the list goes on and on and on. That's what we need to be praying for, and I'm gonna share that with you later, how we can specifically take the rest of this month and intentionally pray for our missionaries. So first of all, the video said it, pray passionately. I'm just trying to interpret the theme of this, of this uh, mission emphasis this year. But secondly, give generously. Give generously. You knew that was coming, didn't you? We talk about missions. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 with me. And we've read this passage so many times here at Coastal Oaks Church. It, it speaks of a, of a congregations in Macedonia and this, this joy that they had in giving. Just look at verse 1 in chapter 8. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that he was granted to the churches of Macedonia during a severe testing by affliction. Their abundance of joy, their deep poverty overflowed into the wealth of their generosity. This was not a rich church. These were not rich churches. These were poor churches. And he says their, their, their poverty overflowed into generosity. I testify that on their own, according to their ability and beyond their ability, they begged us insistently for the privilege of sharing in the ministry of the saints, to the saints. There was an offering being taken up to some saints in Jerusalem. These churches begged the preachers for an opportunity to give an offering. Isn't that crazy? They begged us, he says. Verse five, and not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves especially to the Lord and then to us by God's will. This was a generously giving church. To give to missions. I believe the call is that we give generously Paul Harvey shares, shared a story years ago about the Butterball Turkey Company, how they had a hotline. He says it's a true story. Butterball Turkey, they, you, could, you could call in and answer their questions. So people would call in and say, you know, how many, what's the temperature, how long does it take for a 10-pound turkey, all those kind of questions. One lady called in the hotline. She said, I have a frozen turkey. It's been in the bottom of my freezer for 23 years. Is it safe to eat? So they thought, I did their, their little conversation, finally said, well, it, it, it would be safe to eat, but it wouldn't be very good. The quality of that turkey is going to be deteriorated greatly over 23 years. And the lady said to the person on the other line, good, that's just exactly what I thought. We'll give it to the church. <laughs> Does that sound like the churches of Macedonia? beyond their ability, begging to give more than they thought they could for the glory of God? I, I, I'm heartbroken, but I think that describes the attitude of many believers. Well, I know it does. I've experienced that as a pastor. You have an old couch? Give it to the church. You have an old bicycle? You don't need it? Give it to the church. 
Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. By the way, that was, I was being facetious, right? I wasn't saying do that. Because you've done that. We've had that happen. Listen how the Gospel of Matthew records this incredible teaching in verse 19. Jesus teaching his disciples, don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor moth destroys, moth nor rust destroys, and where, where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If the eye were good, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? He talks about giving is a, is a heart issue. No one, verse 24, can be a slave of two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and money. Some translations say you can't serve God and serve money. That means as a follower of Christ, I have to have a generous heart to give to God, to give to his ministry, to give to the Great Commission. Randy Alcorn says it this way, when God's grace strikes your heart, it makes you a giver. When I watch these videos, and I, I, I'm moved every time I watch them, I watch them over and over, of the need of, the, of reaching the people of the world with the gospel, and I think about how God's grace has, has transformed my life, and who am I? To say, I'm going to keep that to myself. I want to be a part of taking the message of grace to the ends of the earth. I've been on mission trips to several countries, a couple of third world countries. And in those countries, it it reminds me of the Macedonian churches, the poorest of the poor. When I'm there, they set the finest table. They bring out the best food they can. They wait on us. They give us the best meat that they have. When most of the time, they don't even get to eat meat. They give us the best that they can because they just want to serve the Lord, and that's their way of serving the Lord by serving us. That's the picture. That's to say, God, there's such a need out there. I want to, I want to in my poverty, and by the way, we're not very poor, are we? But if you think about the big scheme of things, God, I want, I want, to, I want my life to, to well up in rich generosity for the gospel of Christ. Hold on to your seats for this one. The average American evangelical Christian, not the average church member, But the average American evangelical Christian, that means churches who believe the Bible like we do. An evangelical church is a church that believes in salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We preach the gospel. We don't preach sacraments. We don't preach tradition. We don't preach ritual. We say it's a relationship with Christ. The average, if you think about the average evangelical American Christian, gives only 2.6% of their income to any cause, including the church. That should break your heart. It breaks mine. The challenge for this month, for the Lottie Moon offering for international missions, is that you would give sacrificially, generously. Lottie Moon is the name that we put on our offering as a Southern Baptist convention. She was a missionary to China who gave her life on the mission field, who who literally gave her life for Christ serving And they named this offering after her because she tried to encourage people to give to international missions. We're going to ask you to pray so that this month you could give generously. If you think about it, Christmas for a lot of people, from our perspective, is a celebration of the birth of Christ, right? Hope that's the truth for you. So you could say it's, it's a birthday celebration for Jesus, right? 
and we show up at Jesus' birthday party and we give each other presents. Think about that. I've been challenged over the years. You know, some of us give hundreds and thousands, even thousands of dollars in gifts to one another, and then we put $20 in the offering plate for a mission offering. Let me challenge you this year to pray about your giving and pray about your, your, your celebration of Christmas and, and think about that gift that you would give to the Lord Jesus to be a gift to international missions to see that those people that we saw the pictures on the screen come to know Christ by hearing the gospel. John Wesley said, it's not how much of my money I will give to God, but how much of God's money I'm gonna keep for myself. Pray passionately, give generously. Number three, Go obediently. Go obediently. So many passages in Scripture that I thought about using to, to drive home this point, but I, I went to Isaiah chapter 6, a great missionary passage. Look with me at verse 1. This is Isaiah's testimony. He was a broken man. There have been some things happen in his family. Some, some things happened in that nation. Some believe that King Uzziah died. He may have been related to Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah writes this, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, and his robe filled the temple. In, in grief, and some have said in, in sorrow, Isaiah goes to the temple and begins to worship the Lord because he's so broken. The seraphim were standing above him, and each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. With two, he flew. And one called to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. His glory fills the whole earth. Isaiah says, the foundations of the doorway shook, and the sound of their voices in the temple was filled with smoke. And then I said, listen to Isaiah's response to seeing the glory of God. Then I said, woe is me. For I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips because my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. Isaiah gets a glimpse of God in his holiness and all his glory and he sees his sinfulness and he cries out, God, I'm a sinful man. In essence, he's saying, have mercy on me. One of the seraphim flew to me and with his hand had a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs and he touched my mouth and said, now that this has touched your lips, your wickedness is removed, your sin is atoned for. Salvation. Isaiah, some believe this is his salvation experience, some believe this is his call experience. Either one, Isaiah is to a point now where he's open and cleansed before the Lord. Then, look at verse 8, that's what I was trying to get to. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who should I send and who will go for us? I believe that's a reference to the Trinity, by the way. Who will go for us? And I said, here am I, Send me. I love that this translation keeps that, that same wording of the authorized version. Woe is me. And then here, who shall go for us? Here am I. Send me. The response of most Christians in this, this situation, first of all, would be to try to cover up their sin and say they're really not as bad as, they, as this looks like they are. And the secondly, to say, here I am. Send somebody else. But Isaiah said, Lord, here I am. Send me. He was willing to go obediently. Think about the, the, the openness of Isaiah. By the way, Isaiah is told to go to a people who aren't really going to respond to his message, but he goes anyway. Read the rest of the story. He goes obediently. Contrast that with the story of Jonah. Remember Jonah's story? Jonah chapter 1 in verse 2. 
God says to Jonah, get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their wickedness has confronted me. Verse three says, however, Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. Did you hear that? God said, Jonah, get up and go this way. And Jonah got up and ran that way. By the way, he didn't want to go to Nineveh. You know why? Nineveh was one of the most wicked nations in the world. They were brutal. Jonah didn't want them to come to know God. Jonah didn't want them to repent. He didn't want them to receive the grace of God. So he wasn't willing to go. Isaiah knew the call of God on his life and said, here I am, send me. By the way, God got Jonah's attention eventually, didn't he? And Jonah finally went. Go obediently. Maybe you've been following the story of John Allen Cho, the martyred missionary. Went to North Sentinel Island there in the Indian Ocean with a passion to share the gospel with the Sentinelese people. And the news reports that I first started reading on the internet were about this, this missionary overstepped his bounds. He's gone to a nation that's closed. He's gone to a place where it's illegal. He's gone to a place where it's an isolated tribe and all these things. And I did some more research into his story. And, and he's, he's a man with a passion, was a man with a passion, studied for over 10 years, studied the culture, studied linguistics, studied that, that, that group of people who were isolated, who never heard the gospel got himself training as an EMT and training in survivalist skills and began to try to build bridges to that, that, those people on, on that island. Right before he went, news reports came out saying that the Indian government had lifted all travel restrictions to all those islands there. So in his mind, reading his journal now, he felt like he had the freedom to go in there. It wasn't illegal anymore. And he went in and he, he shared some fish with them to try to build a bridge, didn't know their language, couldn't speak their language. I think he shared some scissors with them, tried to, tried to give gifts because that's all he knew. And on one of those first encounters, he was shot by a bow and arrow by one of the young warriors. And it, I think it stuck in his Bible, his waterproof Bible, and it didn't injure him. So he went back and he prayed, God, what, what should I do about reaching these people? I feel like you've called me. And, and his journal reflects that he wrestled with this and he counted the cost. And then he went back in there. And you know the story now that he was shot and killed by other warriors on that island. But he felt like, in his journal, he felt, he shares that he felt like this is God's call in his life and he has to respond and be obedient. I thought, man, there's a picture of going obediently, knowing that it might be dangerous, knowing that his life might be at risk, but to go anyway because the call of God was on his, on his heart. Listen, this, this young missionary had a passion for a people he never met and he loved them. And God called him to go, so he went. Pray passionately, give generously, go obediently. And number four, send sacrificially. Look at Acts chapter 13 with me. Send sacrificially. In the church that was at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius, the Cyrenian, Manian, and a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. That's a description of the diversity of this church at Antioch. Cultures, backgrounds, races, differences. 
As, verse two, as they were ministering to the Lord, that's worshiping, and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them to. Then, after they had fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them off. This church sent sacrificially. Someone said the mark of a great church is not its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. John Bassanio, as he pastored First Baptist Church Dallas for years, shared with us that he gave two invitations every Sunday morning. One was to join the church, and one was to leave the church. I love that. Not go get happy somewhere else, but go take the gospel somewhere. Sacrificially, that church sent people out. I mentioned J.D. Greer and the testimony of Summit Church, how it was a collegiate town and how they sent so many people out and, and how uh, they were a poor church, but they were a sending church. I say poor in the sense that you, you would think they have a lot of money, but they don't because college students don't have any money. But he kept sending them out. He said, it's interesting, as we send those people out, God seems to be calling out the cream of the crop. He seems to be calling out these mature, committed, faithful believers and they go out by the dozens and leave our church. Folks, that's sacrificial sinning, isn't it? To say, God, if you call out the best, we as a church are going to say, yes, Lord, and we're going to send them. You know what we want to do as a church? We want to keep the best because we don't want it to not be great. Not so in that church. We need to sin sacrificially even when we might lose our very best, and we need to sin sacrificially knowing that we might be sending them into difficulty. I'm looking at the story in Acts chapter 13 and 14, just going through this this week, thinking about the ministry that the church at Antioch sent, sent, sent Paul out into to share the gospel. He met up with sorcerers. As you work your way through the story, some leading men of the city stirred up a persecution against them. They went on. Somebody, the Bible says somebody poisoned the minds of the people against them. At one time, they were, so they attempted to stone them. At one time, they were mistaken as gods, and, and, and it was a misunderstanding with the people. And then ultimately, in Acts chapter 14, they, they were stoned and drug out of the city. And as they sent, in chapter 13, verse 2, as they sent them out, I believe the church knew where they were sending them. They were sending them out into a place that was hostile to the gospel, but they went anyway, and the church sent anyway. I stood in an international mission board, that IMB that you saw on the screen, international mission board. I stood in, at an IMB or sat in an IMB commissioning service a few years ago, and I, and I watched as there were, may have been 100 missionaries, 50 families who stood up and shared their, their name and where they were going, and they commissioned them. We commissioned them as a, as a congregation, and a great percentage of those people stood up and shared their first name, and they couldn't tell where they were going because it was so hostile. And I, I watched these young, vibrant, energetic, passionate couples stand up and say, we're going, but we can't tell you where it's so dangerous. And our, our convention sent them and supports them, and we still do that to this day because we are called to send sacrificially. I pray that our church would keep doing that. I read about a group of missionaries in the 19th century in South America. 
They wanted to take the gospel to a, 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 an island area with, where there were slaves on plantations. And the plantation owners would not let the missionaries in to talk to the slaves because they were afraid they're going to pervert the slaves and whatever. So the slave owner said, no one can come in and share the gospel with slaves. But the slaves can share the gospel with each other. We can't control that. So you know what this group of missionaries did? They sold themselves into slavery so that they could go to those plantations to share the gospel. And many of those, those slaves came to know Christ as Savior. That's sacrificially being sent. My prayer is that as you go through your prayer list this month, as we talk about it today and reflect on it, that you would prayerfully say, God, how can you use me to intercede for our missionaries? How can you use me to give to support our missionaries? And how, as a congregation, can I be used to send missionaries? But also, could it be that God is calling some of us to say, I need to go to the ends of the earth, whatever that means. That's my prayer. That that would happen this year during the month of December as we become a part of every church reaching every nation. Let's pray together.